Well, my friend, you have endured the first episode and lived to tell about it. And for doing so, we are going to reward you with plenty more where that came from here in round number two. Today, we've got on tap Brett Smitley. He is the Recreation Services Program Supervisor from Cumberland Falls State Resort Park. And he's going to enlighten us on all that the park has to offer, including the natural attraction of a moonbow. And later, we will be joined by Nashville singer-songwriter Andrea Guess. She is going to take us on a journey of her musical pursuits to this point and tell us how she ended up in Nashville and then she will grace our ears with a musical selection from her upcoming album. It is the second edition of Blabbing in the Bluegrass. So kick back with a hot or cold beverage of your choice and enjoy because it starts right now. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Morgan Field to Morgan County, cold spring to be spring, we've got you covered on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, exploration and celebration of all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore, once again coming to you direct from the comfy, cozy confines of the North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. Could not be more ecstatic that you are back with me once again. And if you're here for the first time, well, welcome aboard. And if you've come to broaden your knowledge and appreciation of the Commonwealth, look no further because you have come to the right place. As I mentioned last week, my goal for this program is to basically examine anything and everything that makes this state great, whether that be state parks, restaurants, musicians. But hey, we don't have to stop there, gang. If you have other suggestions, questions about the show, comments about the show, it would make my day to hear from you. All you got to do is send me that email. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. Again, that's B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. If you'd like to suggest a special guest, well, hey, drop me a line and we'll talk about it, okay? I'm going to make my comments Short, sweet, and to the point, because we've got two great guests, and I know you'll want to relish all of their invaluable insights, starting with Brett Smitley from Cumberland Falls State Resort Park. He's been there for 27 years, veteran of the park, nobody more qualified than him to talk about everything that's going on out there. And then we'll hear from Brownsville, Kentucky's very own Andrea Guess, singer-songwriter who was actually my former radio partner at Western Kentucky University's radio station. She has found her way to Nashville, and she is doing the music thing. She's going to tell us about that and play us a cut from her upcoming album. So you'll definitely want to hang around for that. 
And uh, before we get to our first interview, I do want to tackle our Bluegrass Brain Buster. Well, I'm going to tackle the question. I'm not going to give you the answer, of course, until the end of the program. But each week we do this, and here, my friends, is your question. This week, I want to know what were the first three counties in the state of Kentucky. They were all created at the same time. In fact, they were actually established before Kentucky officially became a state in 1792. So these counties were in what was Virginia at the time that they were created. So I want to know what were the first three counties to be established in what is now known as Kentucky. Again, they were all established at once, what were they? You be thinking about that, and you'll get the answer from me in the concluding segment of the program. But right now, let's venture down to southeastern Kentucky, where Mr. Brett Smitley is chomping at the bit to tell us all about Cumberland Falls State Resort Park. Presenting Sam Moore's State Park Spotlights. It is our very first State Park Spotlight here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, and today we are featuring a, a true jewel in southeastern Kentucky that has been uh, a staple for years, and I can think of no better person to uh, enlighten us about it than uh, a man who has worked there for 27 years and told me in his email that he loved talking about the history of the park, and that's, uh, that's a chunk of what we're going to talk about today, so I thought, man, he would... Uh, make a perfect guest and he is the uh, recreational services program supervisor at uh, Cumberland Falls State Resort Park and let's put our hands together for Mr. Brett Smitley. As you can tell well, Brett the, the audience is huge in here. Yeah it is standing <laughs> ovation right? <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> they're all applauding in their uh, <laughs> in their uh, respective locations but uh, anyway you've been there for 27 years and uh, have you pretty much held the same post the whole time? I pretty much have you know lead all the recreation activities and special events that we do um, have a lot of school groups and bus tours. We Good do a lot deal. of special events. And what the job has a lot of wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, not a master of anything. I dabble in about every little subject from <laughs> yeah, you're geology right. and botany and <laughs> dabble a little bit of everything. There you go. You're you're a well-rounded individual. <laughs> I guess so. Hey, pretty round. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no shame in that. No shame in that. <laughs> now, uh, Brad, I know that Cumberland Falls State Resort Park has been a staple in uh, Eastern Kentucky for generations. So, if you would just kind of give us an overview of the park's okay. tradition-rich history and explain how it has become the uh, the legendary landmark that it is today. Okay. Of course, you know, here in southeast Kentucky, you know, you have the Cumberland River, which begins near Harlan. Sure. Probably the most unique thing about Cumberland Falls, you don't have many waterfalls in the eastern U.S. that's on a major river system like the Cumberland. Right. Um, so total length, you know, after it leaves Kentucky, it goes through Nashville, comes back into Kentucky, it's like Barkley, before sure. it the River. So it's about 670 miles long. So that's a unique thing. You have a, most waterfalls are on small creeks and streams, which Cumberland Falls, it may not be a very tall waterfall, you know, averages around 65 to 70 feet, maybe 125 feet 
in width, but it's always been nicknamed the Niagara of the South because in regards to the annual water volume that goes over the falls, it is one of the larger waterfalls in the southeast part of the U.S. And that phrase was coined, the Niagara of the South, by one of the early landowners when they decided to build a hotel there. Oh. If you, you think back, you know, with the, the Wilderness Road that came through the Cumberland Gap, which is now US 25, and then you had US 27 to the west of us, which was a major travel route. We kind of sat in the middle of those two trails and, and it wasn't good land for farming. You know, there were some people settled here, but it was just a rough, rugged river gorge, a lot of cliffs, a lot of rockiness, uh, not much flat land. So it was kind of forgotten about, really. People started exploring probably in the 1850s, a little bit more after the Civil War. And I guess there's just something about a waterfall. You know, it's just, there's something romantic about falls. People are just drawn to water the drawing waterfalls. I must started agree. wanting to see this. Go ahead. I said, yeah, I must agree. And it's, it's definitely romantic. Mm -hmm. but, uh, <laughs> and, it's, and I think there was just a need to build a hotel there. Um, in 1875, there was a family name of Owens that really built the first hotel there. And gotcha. a little later on, a train railroad system came through the area mostly to get the lumber and the coal out of the region. And there was a train station called Cumberland Falls Station that was located about 12 miles from here, where, where it is today, where US uh, or 90 intersects with US 27, there was a train station. And now the unique thing about this, people would ride from pretty much anywhere. A lot of people came from surrounding cities like Cincinnati and St. Louis, and Louisville, oh. and they would this train station and they'd have to be shuttled here by, by probably mules and wagons, and it would take a half day's journey just to reach the falls in the hotel. Of course, they had for the river, because the hotel was on the other side where they were coming from. So there was no road here from the Whitley County or the Corbin side to the late 20s. So it was really just quite a, a getaway for really the wealthy. I mean, we all know most people work six days a week, 12 hours a day or more. They didn't have paid vacations. So it was people who could afford to come here for a getaway. And that's what they did. They, they would fish and hunt and hold dances and just entertain themselves, swim in the river uh, for many years at that old hotel at the falls. So we really didn't become a state park till 1931. Gotcha. And uh, I can go on a little bit more if you want. This really, a lot of your, your uh, Kentucky historians will say to save Cumberland Falls from development is the largest conservation effort ever fought in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. It was in the 1920s, a power company called Cumberland River Power Company started buying up the land and they proposed to build a dam upstream from the falls. And so what they wanted to do, the river here kind of is shaped like a horseshoe. So if you imagine a horseshoe, uh -huh. hold the horseshoe if you were going to pitch horseshoes, would kind of be where the falls is. So they was going to divert across that horseshoe. They're going to build a tunnel and divert all that water from the river through a tunnel and use that drop in elevation between, you know, the top of the falls and the bottom of the falls 
to generate electricity. And oh. so poles would, would dry up at times if they didn't release any, any other water. So it would just be a cliff fan. So this stirred up a huge controversy, um, especially with local people, local business people in Corbin. They were wanting to uh, capitalize on the tourist trade because you couldn't get here really from the east side. You had to come in from the west part. And so people were always coming to Corbin down US 25 and it was always being told, well, if you want to see the falls, you can't get there from here with that old right. So the Corbin Qantas Club with some local business people and a lot of volunteers built the first road here from Corbin or US 25 in, 19, in the summer of 1927 and all done with volunteer labor. It took about two months to build the road uh, and also a little small bridge that went across the little gap in the ridge. So order, the reason they did that was a lot, the, the administration at the time was very pro-dam. Many people in Kentucky was. Um, several um, conservation efforts um, like Isaac Walton League and different uh, clubs really push, put this on the national scale. There's even articles in the New York Times um, about saving Cumberland Falls. And about every publication um, was talking about this, this dam project. So in a roundabout way, um, they, to get to, in order to convince all our, our representatives, state senators, um, they, they wanted people to be able to come see it. So they had to build good roads to be able to see it. So the average person with car travel starting to take off there in the 20s and 30s, mm -hmm. they wanted to uh, get people here. So they wanted to get more people on board to save the falls. And finally, um, Mr. DuPont, who was uh, a Delaware senator and oh, yeah. grew up in Louisville, and he offered to purchase the land and donate to the state, but it took um, probably till the 1930 legislative session for this to happen. And by the way, Mr. DuPonts uh, had passed away, but his family uh, still offered to purchase the land and they purchased about, uh, about 600 acres for $400,000 in 1930. So you figure oh, what thousand dollars could have bought in 1930. So uh, right, in comparison to now, kind of big cons it took really about two to three legislative sessions for them to uh, for Cumberland Falls to become a state park. Boy, that's, <laughs> that's uh, quite a story there. And um, it is it's uh, and there's a lot of neat things written on it, some journals and books, but it's in course, sure. At, uh, especially after World War II, you know, people started traveling in cars and taking kids places and the roads got better. And I think really it become a big honeymoon spot for people that were a half day to a day's drive. Uh, you know, yeah, in the region. Niagara, our resort system had just began. And so we were very affordable. You know, we had the, the restaurant with the meals and the, and the lodge and it was just, an affordable place where people could come and spend a honeymoon. So we were really known as a honeymoon spot. We still are somewhat. Sure. But so in the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, a lot of people I've met over my career 
you know, they're, they're coming back for their 50th wedding anniversary. And they say, well, we got married and spent our honeymoon here. And that's really neat. Oh, how cool. <laughs> that's kind of how I think our, our claim to fame became. It's just that walk, that traction of seeing a waterfall and, you know, sure. honeymoon spot. It's out in, you, know, you feel like you're in a wilderness, but not too far from major roads or eventually I-75. Yeah, <laughs> interstate eventually there. Now, um, we'll we'll talk more about DuPont shortly, specifically okay. the DuPont Lodge. But now, um, I know you said people used to swim in the Cumberland River. I know um, they're not they're obviously not getting wet in the falls now. But I was just wondering, how close exactly can you uh, can you get to the falls when you visit the park? Well, we have overlooks um, there on top. It's all fenced in there, and you, you can go down a couple set of stairs and go to the base of the falls, you're probably, oh, maybe 50 yards from the edge of the falls. Years ago, they had wooden, like, walkways, like little boardwalks built. It would take you right up to the edge. And, of course, they would wash out during floods. And right. Since the early 70s, you know, they have the overlook where it is now. It's just a set of concrete pads and uh, steel rails. I so, see. Uh, well, half you, of, half of all wet. the way is not bad. Yeah, and you can get wet if the mist is blowing right. You can get a little bit of a shower down there, so you're yeah, fair. I can see that. So <laughs> you might get get a little damp anyway. But uh, anyway, um, Brett, it's no secret that uh, Cumberland Falls State Park is nationally known for uh, breathtaking beauty and family fun. If you could uh, give us an idea of the distance that patrons have traveled to experience the park and uh, name some of the states or okay. countries that uh, have been represented by your guests. Definitely during this pandemic, you know, I think we, I have seen a lot of new people because, uh, you know, you've been here for a while, you get to meet some of the same families and groups that come each year for sure. at a certain time. Um, we're getting a lot of new visitors from, from all states really. Um, I think it's just people wanting to get away and it's it's outside and it's and we've pretty much been open the falls has been open pretty much during this whole time this whole year so but I have met tour groups from Australia um, you know they may be in something else in the United States but I've got from Japan China uh, all over Europe really everywhere um, they, they really have come from all over see the falls and, and I think you know we're probably you know in the top five most visited attractions in the state and by far the you know the most number one visited state park in the state. But well we, we, and two um, I did notice that uh, Cumberland Falls was um, named by Southern Living as one of their uh, best southern state parks. Oh yeah yeah so it's very accessible I mean the overlooks are wheelchair accessible you know, you're 20, 25 minutes from major interstate I-75, and, and you've got that natural feature that's just, you can go to, you know, some of, you know, some park areas, you know, you, you, you have to kind of look for the hidden gems, you know, right. but it's just, you know, it's just very easy to find, and, and uh, I think that's the main attraction. It's just yeah. A, yeah, I seventy five makes a huge difference. Now, um, speaking of natural attractions, uh, many will tell you that uh, a notable perk of uh, visiting Cumberland Falls is the Moonbow. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who have never been privileged to experience this scenic sensation, why don't you 
give us okay. a description of a moonbow. Okay, I'll tell you kind of something a little funny. You know, when I started working here, like say 27 years ago, mm-hmm. I was looking for the naturalist that worked here and he started talking about moonbows and I'm like, what's a moonbow? That's <laughs> like, they've even heard of one. Here, I just I just started my first week and start looking at pictures and he's like, you never heard of the moonbow? No, never heard of one. And I grew up three hours from here. So what it is, it's just a rainbow at night created by moonlight. You know, we have rainbows every sunny day, um, usually to about midday, you know, sometimes nine, 10 o'clock in the morning to one, two o'clock in the afternoon. If it's every sunny day, you can have nice rainbows uh, in the midst of the falls. But on the nights of the full moon, the moonlight will produce what's called a moonbow. Some people call it a lunar rainbow. Uh, some other areas in the world, that's, they might call it the lunar rainbow. And it's just a question, um, a lot of people say, well, what's so special about Cumberland Falls? Why do you have a moonbow at the falls? What's the big deal? Well, it's just, first of all, you have a large waterfall that produces a lot of mist. So the more water volume you have, the more mist you're gonna have. It's also kind of a, a wide open area, but really it's a question of accessibility. In other words, a human can stand in the right place. So what you have to have is the water source in front of you, which is the mist, and the moonlight behind you. And so we have an accessible place where you can get between the moonlight and the mist and at the correct angle. It usually has to strike about 45 degrees. So all those things have to come together. And of course, what makes you have to have a clear sky, mm-hmm. usually two to maybe three, maybe even four nights before the actual full moon and then about three to four nights after. Uh, of course, around the full moon is going to be best because you got more visible light. But really, the, the sky conditions is really the key to a quality moonbow. And it's really going to look like this ghostly white light. And it's really hard for some people to find it or see it because they're looking at photographs, and the photograph is taking it at a long exposure, sometimes several minutes. Right going to capture that color over that time period so a lot of people is expecting to be this really bright but you see white light and the colors kind of come and go but it's really still neat Um, the waterfall is beautiful under the moonlight you get a real bright moonlight night and the moonbow is is pretty spectacular but cloud cover um and any haze or humidity that can affect the quality so if you have that real crisp clear night you know you get those cold fronts clears all that out got a really brightly uh, moonlit night that that's what you want and that will vary a lot of people of course with our busy schedules we all want to know what times it come out you know yeah so, so it can be in the winter let's say especially after the time change here coming up it can be out as early as 6 30 in the evening because the moon is already in position right moon normally will rise somewhere around it's different throughout the year about an hour later each night um so if you saw let's say at 6 30 one night it could be pushing 7 30 the next night because you're waiting on that moon to get up to the the right uh angle sure but once the moon clears the ridge top it, it can be seen so now if you get a in the summer months, if you're two to three nights after the full moon, it can be as late as one o'clock in the morning. 
So oh, really, so you'd have to be a night owl. It really varies. And a lot of people get frustrated because they always want to know what time it comes out. Well, it, and we publish a schedule in our, on our website of the times and the dates. Uh, we used to put the dates in the brochure. Oh, that's cool. If you look, if you, you know how you look on the internet or whatever, and you get the moonrise time at about two hours, that, that'll get you in the ballpark of what time to, to be down there and expect. It. And, and then it can last a couple hours. Sure. Once it gets really high, then it just kind of disappears. So you don't have to get there and catch it like in a 15, 30 minute window or anything. Right. Well, that's cool. So I could see it being hard to pinpoint, but at least uh, you could put them in the ballpark with the uh, right. website and brochure information. And that uh, in and of itself is um, reason enough to visit Cumberland Falls State Park. But oh, yeah. um, we get a lot of visitation. Some people get a little disappointed if it's cloudy. And I say, yeah. well, you got to plan for two nights. If you're going to come, you want to stay two nights. That way, if the first night's a washout, you know, or You've got one more chance, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, back to Mr. Dupont here, at least uh, his um, his logs. Now, with an abundance of uh, cabin and cottage and camping options, I know a peaceful and a relaxing getaway to Cumberland Falls uh, couldn't be easier and more affordable. But um, we can't spotlight this historic part w without mentioning the ever-popular right. Dupont Lodge. So. If you would, it's, sir. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go. I was going to go ahead. If you would, just describe what makes DuPont Lodge um, one of the most splendid state park lodges in the Commonwealth. Okay. It, you know, it's historic, built in 1941. It actually replaced the lodge. The first DuPont Lodge was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps about 1935, 1936. Unfortunately, it burned in 1940, accidental fire. And this was rebuilt very similar. It's almost hard to tell. This one has a little bit more stone than the original lodge. This was built by the WPA in 1941, opened in 1942. So it is one of the oldest state park lodges. Um, and it's very unique because it's made out of uh, native stone, native sandstone that came from this area. Mm -hmm. And the trees were cut locally, maybe some on the park grounds. And it, it just has this historic, rustic look that people just just love. Um, and it's, it's very different than a lot of our other lodges. A lot of these lodges were built in the 1960s and early 70s. And it, it just has this homey feel like you're in this giant log stone structure. And I think that's the reason why people uh, like it. And it's got a, a back patio that views the river. You're looking upstream from the falls. Just beautiful sunrises off the patio. Uh, I can just—it's it's, it's just unique. <laughs> yeah, I can just sense the the peacefulness right now, and I'm sure that people try to book that uh, pretty far in advance. They do. Yeah, certain weekends um, they do. You can book as, as early as three years in advance, um, but most of the time, um, you know couple months in advance or even a month in advance you can normally get a get a reservation and our cottages are nice too if you it's a great uh, way if you if you like to cook your own food or have several families right they're very popular for family reunions just to rent a cottage they can sleep up to some eight to ten people so uh, 
sure. So no excuse. <laughs> Plenty of places to stay and uh, <laughs> options on that end. Now, uh, it goes without saying, um, Brett, that no visit to the uh, state park would be complete without a fabulous meal from the one-of-a-kind Riverview Restaurant. So uh, if you would, tell us about uh, the signature specialties on the menu at Riverview. Well, we've always known, been known for our buffets. Um, you know, a lot of times we have fried catfish and, and fried chicken and carved roast beef and all types of vegetables and, and of course, dessert bar. Unfortunately, with the COVID, we, we've had to go back to our menu. Right. Uh, we're doing the fried catfish, fried chicken. We do uh, the hot brown, the Kentucky hot brown. It's famous and several desserts is kind of our, our feature. Now we are hoping when this passes that we can get back to our, our normal buffet. And so we just to accommodate the, the CDC guidelines, we, we, we've had to limit the menu a little bit, unfortunately. But, Gosh, uh, I'd be eating there every day if I, if I worked there. Now what's, uh, what's your go-to there, Brad? My favorite food, I tell yeah, you what's my your favorite is the fried chicken when they, they that's uh i'm a i'm a sucker for good fried chicken you and me both i don't know if it's good for you or not but it's <laughs> <laughs> still are bad for you i don't i don't know I, i've heard that rumor but but i love fried chicken so as long as it tastes good <laughs> that, yeah. that's the most important thing now um I gathered from the website, Brett, that uh, Cumberland Falls State Park features uh, a whopping 17 miles of hiking trails filled with um, natural beauty. Now, if you would, tell us about some okay. of the most popular hiking okay. trails and uh, describe what makes them fan favorites. Okay. Probably the most uh, popular trail, and it's probably one of the most popular trails in the state, um, Kentucky Living Magazine always votes it you know, pretty much is their favorite trail. That's trail number nine, or people just call it the Eagle Falls Trail. That trail goes to a smaller waterfall. It's on a separate creek. It's about 30 feet tall, 10 feet wide. It's a beautiful little falls called Eagle Falls. And it's about a mile there and a mile back. And while you're walking, actually years ago, they used to call it the cliff walk because you're kind of walking. You're not real close to the edge anymore, but you're, you're following that cliff line on the other side of the falls and you've got great views of Cumberland Falls and the river below, the gorge below. And of course, then you get eventually uh, end at another waterfall. And that's very popular, uh, especially this year, we run out of parking every day almost. I mean, there's hundreds of people walking this trail. Um, uh -huh. If you probably want to social distance yourself a little bit from the crowds, uh, we have a couple trails, trail number four and trail number 12, that are just mile loops. Um, and some of these trails, you can just do combinations. You can do a four-mile loop, seven-mile loop. Uh, the Chateau Trace Trail, which starts in Tennessee and goes up to northern Kentucky, I think it's 330 miles long, it passes through here, and it follows the Cumberland River uh, up towards Little Lake area. So that's another popular trail. People like to kind of you want to do a beginning backpack trip, people like to start on that Chateau Trace below Cumberland Falls and the hike towards Laurel Lake, which is about 13 miles. And there's a couple uh, like shelters, overnight shelters you can stay in too. So sure. uh, 
that's kind of the most popular one. Then we have a, other trails in the because we're surrounded by the Dandaloo National Forest, and also we're very close to the Big South Fork National River and recreation area. It's a mouthful to say. Yeah. They have other waterfalls and natural arches too. And, uh, so there is a lot in the area to see other than Cumberland Falls. I mean, you can spend a couple of days here and get some of the local maps and seek out a lot of these other little waterfalls and arches. Yeah, lots of attractions. And regardless of the distance you want to <laughs> walk or the, the views you want, there's a there's a trail for everybody. Now, um, speaking of, uh, I want sort of along those lines of long distances and uh, like that one uh, trail you were talking about that went from uh, Tennessee up to northern Kentucky. Now, the, uh, the Cumberland Falls State Park is actually split between two counties, is it not? It is. The river is a county line between Whitley and McCreary County. Um, technically, probably the waterfall is in McCreary County um, because the county line is, is on the, the, the east side of the river. Um, so, I see. All right. So you're, <laughs> you're on the Whitley <laughs> County side, I believe. We are. The park, the lodge, most of the facilities are in Whitley County. I see. So most likely you're going to be staying in Whitley when you, right. when you visit the, the park. The campground of the lodge is all in Whitley County. Absolutely. Now, Brett, we couldn't possibly end this discussion without highlighting the most recent recreational addition to the park, and that is gem mining at the Cumberland Falls Mining Company. Now, uh, if you would talk to us a little bit about the uh, unique experience and educational value of gem mining. Okay, um, basically you go in the gift shop and you purchase, it's a bag of sand really, and some of them have gems, some of them have fossils. Um, I think we've even done some arrowheads at times. And you, you go up to this, it's like a water sluice thing where the water comes down this little trough and you pour your sand in a screen and you sift it through the water and you find different gems. And we give you a, a kind of an identification card and you can learn what type of uh, gems that you find. And a lot of this, uh, is, uh, we purchased this all from a company. And they, a lot of this comes from uh, places where they, where they mine for the whole jewelry uh, industry. Sure. And so you can find lots of, lots of neat things. It's educational for kids because they can you know, learn about these types of gems and how they were formed and where they come from possibly. Now, when was the mining company opened? It's probably been here, I want to say 2012 or 13, somewhere in there. Okay, so it's about seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, it's been very popular this year. Uh, we, we've, we actually run out sometimes, some weekends. It's, we, we've done a lot of orders this year. It's been very popular this year. Oh, well, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, popularity is always a good thing. Now, um, before we wrap this puppy up, Brett, in 30 seconds or less, give us your best sales pitch for Cumberland Falls State Resort Park as a bucket list must for groups of all ages and sizes. Go. Of course, you know, there's just, I think Cumberland Falls is just a beautiful waterfall. You know, it's, it's just the color of the water. And of course, the, the the rainbows that you see if you're here in the full moon, you the uniqueness of seeing a moonbow, 
one of the few in the world that happens uh, on a regular basis. And just a lot of hiking trails, a lot of diversity of plant life, wildflowers, trees and shrubs that you can see. And they start blooming in March and we got wildflowers bloom through November even. So and it, it's a place, place of solitude. Uh, you can get away from it all. We still have, of course, we still have cable TV and still have internet. We have Wi-Fi. No, it's <laughs> three big parks there. And if you want to, if you need to work, you know, where you need internet access, you have that. Those things to do in the area, you know, if you if you want to drive between uh, the big South Fork National Recreation Area and the Daddy Boone Forest, so you really there's just a lot to do. Also, you can you can go whitewater rafting below the falls. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and you can kayak uh, above. There's, there's a lot of places to put in above the falls, uh, different sections. You can go from all day to just a few hours. Um, so that's kind of the, there's just a lot of outdoor recreation to do. And there's nearby mountain bike trails. Uh, you've got Lake Cumberland and Laurel Lake nearby. So if you're, if you're a boater, uh, you have that accessibility, you know, not far away off, so. Sure. So, a lot of flexible. offer recreation activities um, from guided hikes. We, uh, before, of course, the pandemic, we did a lot more hands on things. We've had to limit those from arch and crafts and archery and different programs that we do. Um, we, we offer through the summer months, we offer, a, a, we put out a weekly program schedule where people can just choose what type of activity they want to do. It's kind of like going to summer camp. Um, and then, of course, we do a lot of events um, in normal years. We, right. We do a nature photography weekend, a storytelling festival. So it's uh, it's just there's just something there for everybody. Yes, regardless of your taste and your preferences, there is uh, something for everybody. And with the Wi-Fi and the cable TV, you know, mm -hmm. you can <laughs> work and play yeah. uh, almost simultaneously. So, right. <laughs> yes, right. indeed, it's definitely uh, worth a, a drive or a flight from that, for that matter, from, from anywhere. And you can learn more about Cumberland Falls State Park. Uh, you can go to parks.ky.gov and... Uh, Search for Cumberland Falls there. You can also email Mr. Brett Smitley. It's uh, let's say brettA.smitley, S-M-I-T-L-E-Y, at ky.gov. And if Brett doesn't have the answers, I'm sure he can get them for you. So, I can. <laughs> so, and, uh, of course, uh, Cumberland Falls State Resort Park on Facebook. And uh, let's see, it's Cumberland underline Falls underline SRP on instagram so right. plenty of outlets for you to check out uh, brett and uh, joe mounts and all the crew there at cumberland falls state park well this was quite an insightful discussion and we sure have enjoyed our time and thank you again brett for coming on with us today and uh, we'd love to have you back on again soon sure uh, thanks for having me it's, i've always loved talking about cumberland falls and it's just a, a bit of passion of mine. The, the history here is just amazing. And I, I, I can Good talk about deal. it. Well, uh, you take care and uh, go eat some fried chicken for me. All right. I hope I can find some down there. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Well, <laughs> you be good. And uh, we sure appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. 
What an absolute privilege it was to have Mr. Brett Smitley grace us with his Zoom presence and quite the walking encyclopedia he is when it comes to Cumberland Falls and all that it has to offer, its history and so forth. It's no wonder that it is such a frequent getaway destination for honeymooners and empty nesters and everybody in between. Now, if you want to learn more about the park, just refer to the show notes. Also, do not hesitate to shoot Brett an email and he will hook you up with anything that you need, okay? So without further ado, let's debut the Blabbin' in the Bluegrass Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser segment. Now, who is the Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser, you ask? Well, it could be an author, it could be a comedian, it could be a musician, anybody that wows audiences here in Kentucky. Now, in the case of today, it's a singer-songwriter. Born and raised in Brownsville, Kentucky, she now finds herself in Nashville living out her dream. Her name is Andrea Guess, and she's going to tell us all about it, and she's also going to perform a song from her album coming out sooner than later. Now, we'll apologize in advance. While we were recording the song, we did have a brief Zoom interruption, and uh, we edited that out, but we did have to sacrifice a few precious seconds of her song, but I think we still captured more than enough for you to get a feel for her greatness. So I'm going to shut up and let you be blessed by Miss Andrea Guess. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. It's our very first Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, and here to take on that honor is... A Nashville singer-songwriter who actually admits to being a friend of mine. (laughs) (laughs) I do. We've known each other since, uh, gosh, I guess 2009. And uh, we actually worked together on um, Western Kentucky University student-run radio station, Revolution 91.7. And um, we both did radio for a while, and she has decided to pursue singing full-time so let's put our hands together for none other than Miss Andrea Guess. Ah, thank you, Sam. As you can thank tell, you. we have a massive audience. <laughs> a massive, so big. In the studio. Uh, now they're all they're all listening and they're all tickled pink that you've joined us, fresh from the greater Nashville area. We're lucky that we caught you on um, one of your days off. Well, mornings off. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's been pretty busy uh, getting back in the swing of playing and everything. I've missed not getting to play. I don't have a full full schedule like I had been, you know, 400 shows a year, but right. um, we're getting back in the swing of things down here. Sure. Yeah, slowly but surely. COVID has uh, thrown a kink in everybody's uh, way of life, but... It's all about moving on and and dealing. But anyway, you've been um, you've been musically inclined, Andrea, since uh, practically day one. You were playing the piano and uh, singing around the house with your mom and driving her crazy. I'm sure. No, <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, if you would uh, talk a little bit about your musical influences growing up and uh, tell us how they inspired your pursuit of uh, singing and performing. Well. Mom always had music playing, whether it was her old records, whether, you know, it was a cassette tape. I'm telling my age a little bit, but, uh, (laughs) you know. I'm a year older. (laughs) But she had some form of music playing all the time. And 
she said that when when I was a baby that I would kick to you know some Sawyer Brown songs to the beat and I would just squeal and go crazy whether it be Sawyer Brown, Carol King, Elvis, didn't matter what it was she said that I was always just into it and I got to choose the music I listened to when I when she put me down to go to bed some nights it may have been classical some nights it may have been you know oldies it country whatever but she let me pick what i wanted to listen to uh going to bed gotcha i I like classical a little bit too i wish i could have gotten into it more because they say it uh, has an effect on the brain and apparently makes you a little smarter i don't know but (laughs) well i don't know about that and i think the coffee does that for me (laughs) (laughs) same here But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I like me some Sawyer Brown, too, though. Um, some Girls Do was one of my first favorite songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their their version of The Race Is On, that's probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, <laughs> I uh, first heard theirs, of course, before I knew that George Jones uh, had the right. original. But uh, anyhow, that that's what inspires your uh, diversity in music and what you play. And we'll we'll talk more about that later on. But now, um, as a child, Andrea, um, you received numerous accolades um, for your efforts in talent shows and Christmas programs and things like that. So uh, I was just wondering, when did you take the stage in front of a live audience for the first time? And what do you remember most about this performance? Uh, The first time that I had ever sang in front of anyone outside, you know, of mom at home, Mm-hmm. Uh, it was middle school and oh. uh, my cousin she was a, a teacher and she was like okay she was like I need some more students in my Christmas program she was like and I want you and I was like okay so she gave me a solo part for the first Noel of course my classmates had no idea that I, I sang my teachers had no idea that I sang because I was the quietest kid in class, believe it or been not. been hiding it all those years. <laughs> I had been, apparently, and I was so nervous, and I stepped out, and mom has it on video, but whenever I start singing, like, of course, kids had talked through the other solos and things, and this is the one thing I remembered. I was like, oh, no, I must have messed up because it got quiet, <laughs> and... Uh, after I got done, like everybody was, you know, talking about me singing and my seventh grade math teacher, Mr. Salins, he said, guess I have to beg you to talk in class. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, she, he doesn't have to beg you to sing. You just had to beg you to talk. Yeah. Oh, but before, that's funny. Before that, I'd only, they, people knew that I played piano and wow. I'd, I, of course, won the talent show in fifth grade and still have that trophy. I'm very proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That first one's always something special. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Um, We we should mention, I guess, this was uh, Edmondson County Middle School. Yep. As um, you gave Brownsville KY an official spot on the map. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's some other uh, great musicians and things that have gone on to do really cool things from Edmondson County as well. Jeff Stice, Ben Helson. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Edmondson County's got a lot of talent. It does, I'm, I'm telling you. And there for a little while, you lived in the um, 
rockin' Bowling Green suburb of Plum Springs. Oh, yes, the big oh. Plum Springs. <laughs> you know, we can't forget about that. Yes. <laughs> I know it's just not the same without you there. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, Andrea, now before you uh, decided to pursue music full-time not long ago, you uh, spent a number of years in the exciting world of radio, and we touched a little bit on um, the time you and I spent together as a, a dynamic duo, if you want to call it that. Oh, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> On Revolution 91.7 there at, um, at Western. But um, other than that, just kind of describe your experience in broadcasting and um, tell us about what you missed the most. Before you uh, get going, I should uh, point out that many of our Bowling Green Glasgow friends probably remember you as Gracie McGee. Indeed. Some people even, they still call me Gracie McGee. <laughs> <laughs> even when you're just out and about randomly? Yep. <laughs> yeah. But uh, tell us about your uh, your radio history and how, uh, how you got started in it. Well, it, it kind of started in elementary school, believe it or not. There no. was a, a fall break program that PBS and KET put on and mom signed me up for it. We got to, you know, not play with cameras. We got to shoot a little news um, broadcast in third grade. And I fell in love with the radio side of it more so than the, the TV side. And gotcha. I told mom, I said, that's what I want to do. I want to go into radio. And I had said that from third grade on. And that's what I did. I went to Western Kentucky University. That's where I met you. Yes, indeed. Uh, we... Uh, we're on Revolution. I also had a part-time job at a small little station in Morgantown, a little AM station. Oh, yeah, WLBQ, right? Yeah, that's it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, after that, of course, graduated. I moved to Elizabethtown, worked in sales and a little bit of on-air work uh, with Wacky and uh, WLVK, Big Cat sure. 105.5 there. Right, the country uh, giant, shall we say, in the oh, town yes. market. <laughs> um, you also had the privilege of uh, working with the legendary Bobby Jack Murphy. Ah, uh, yes, he one of my absolute favorite people. Yeah, he spent a number of years. A lot of people probably remember him from his days on the WAMZ in Louisville. Yep. But uh, anyway, I, I first fell in love with the radio when the people started telling me that I had the perfect face for it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so uh that's when it took off for me but uh anyhow yep you did that and then uh, your gracie mcgee days were at um willie yes i started working for forever communications and i was in sales for a while then right. moved uh to get in on air um and then i ended up uh managing and working you know management doing pretty much anything from janitorial duties on air, uh, working with programming, sales, you name it, I did it. Um, well, we can't say you're a jack of all trades. Maybe you were a Jill. <laughs> there you go. Either that or a Jacqueline. They're a Jacqueline. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Willie, for those of you that aren't familiar, that is a classic country giant in, uh, in the Bowling Green market. Um, used to be just Willie 94.1, but they've... Uh, They've kind of, they've added a few more dial positions, haven't they? They, they did. I, I haven't uh, been able to keep up with them as much since I left, but yeah. um, when I left, they had 
you know, expanded to 107.9 and then also, of course, AM 1340. But I think AM 1340 switched back to an oldie station, you know, like the original WBGN. Oh, gotcha. So, <laughs> little blast from the past there. But, oh, uh, yeah. but yeah, definitely plenty of opportunities to get your Willie fix. Uh, even more coverage <laughs> in, uh, in Bowling Green now than there used to be. Now, uh, yep. Andrea had a, a nice liner that uh, she, she used during her show. Um, <laughs> you know, my fa- well, she had several, but my favorite was that um, Andrea, was it, she used to um, do the hokey pokey and then she turned herself around. Indeed, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the other one? Like you used to chew bubble gum and... Oh, I, something yeah. about me walking, talking and chewing bubble gum at the same time. Now that's was- something to be proud of. Yes, but I am accident prone, so I don't know if I could do it anymore. <laughs> well, at least you can still sing and play. That's so. true. <laughs> now, uh, what do you miss most about radio, Andrea? Getting to talk to to folks every day, and like they would share with me, you know, their happy days, their sad days. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Help it. Oh man, like, but getting to know my listeners and you basically become family because you're, you're talking to them every single day and you become a part of their lives just as much as they're part of yours. And it's the people that I miss the most. Oh yeah. Especially the, uh, the Willie 94.1 listeners. Cause they are loyal. They most definitely. Yeah. If you, like I had a flat tire one day and I had mentioned it on air and there was a, a gentleman that came and uh, before I could even call AAA, they, he came and he, he said, I'll change your tire for you. Look at you. Things <laughs> like that, you know. That's the beauty of not only being in radio, but being liked in radio. <laughs> <laughs> it helps when people think some of you, but, uh, but anyhow, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you had some, uh, you had some daily callers, didn't you? I did. I had uh a uh, lady that I even adopted as my radio grandma. Your radio grandma. Every single day, every single morning. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I bet everybody would like to have a radio grandma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, as you and I both know, dear, interactions with listeners in the radio world can be uh, memorable in more ways than one. <laughs> so... I'd like for you, if you would, to describe your weirdest or most awkward phone conversation that you had with a caller during one of your air shifts. Oh, Uh, man, there's so many. I don't even know where to begin. But there was a time I was proposed to on on, uh, the live program, The Trader. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then there was a time, and this lady, she had called, she had won a prize, and it was also her birthday, and so I asked her, you know, what, what year was she celebrating? She told me, I said, oh, you're just a spring chicken. She said, well, I did have my B12 shot this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Sometimes it's like, how do I respond to that? Yeah, you never know. Gosh, when you were proposed to, do you remember what your response was? I just, I think I just laughed. And. Uh, I would have been speechless, I think. I, <laughs> I just laughed because I didn't know what else to say. (laughs) Which, you know, speechless is not a good thing when you're on live radio. That's so true. (laughs) So true. That airs a cardinal sin. 
But uh, anyway, now uh, you recorded your debut album as a high schooler and also um, served as opening act for household names like uh, Jeff Bates. A lot of people remember him from the love song. That was probably his biggest hit. And um, Ted Nugent uh, during your teenage years. Uh, However, you also had the privilege of uh, accompanying a number of singers and um, musicians from the Commonwealth. We touched on those a little bit earlier, but uh, expand a little more, if you would, about the uh, Kentucky musicians you were fortunate enough to share the stage with. Oh, man, there's there's so many. If I started making a list of names, it I would, I would leave somebody out, but... Um, We'd be here till tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but um, I played guitar for Brandy Neely for a little while. Um, myself Emily Smith we both played for Brandy um Jennifer Griffith she played for um Earl Scruggs for a little she played Dobro for him uh Andrea Tenero and Tony Tenero some of my favorite people and some of the best musicians in the entire world uh kindest people and if you ever get a chance to see Andy and the Rockers definitely go go see them it's a heck of a show for sure andy and the rockers you, you might have just given me some uh, future interview ideas there. oh dear. yes for sure <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed now you've met um and played with laura bell bundy too haven't you i've met her i haven't played with her but okay. i've met her she she's a hoot uh, she sounds like it. i know we've talked about her off and on and um, i know she's a, a kentuckian as well by birth so <laughs> that'd be a good one to play with maybe at some point all righty. Now, um, your Facebook page, Andrea, um, explains that your repertoire consists of anything from Kitty Wells to Hearts and everything in between. That is quite a, quite the mixed bag there. Now, with uh, with many artists choosing to uh, utilize their talents within a specific niche, uh, what do you think has been the key to your success with such diversity in your music? Uh, you know, I think that just reading the people that you're playing for and and seeing what they're into and what they love, it just going, you know, spur of the moment. You may play Patsy Cline one minute and you may play, you know, four non-blondes the next. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just making people happy because music makes me so happy. That's, that's why I do it. Sure, and I'm sure, you know, you get a lot of uh... – people uh, hollering out random requests on any oh, given Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it interesting. Now, uh, what's your what's your favorite uh, Broadway venue to perform at? Well, uh, right now, the the one place that I'm I'm playing downtown, you know, every since everything is Redneck Riviera. That's Redneck Riviera. I've not been to that one. I'll have to check well, that it's, out. It's John Rich's bar. And that's my dog Cricket in the background. She wants oh, see, to cr- Cricket podcast. wants to be part of Labbing in the Bluegrass. Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to leave her out. Now, uh, those those Broadway bars, um, you know, they stay open, a lot of them, 24-7. So have you done any, like, 3, 4 a.m. shows? I Now, with the, the closures, we have to close down, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. But, right. Uh, before I was playing, you know, morning, mid-afternoon, evening, or closing shifts, and <laughs> I was playing for other people, uh, playing bass or drums for them, and all up and down Broadway. 
So you've worked pretty much around the clock when you were called upon. Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Flexibility is key, especially yep. right now. Now, um, you've got a highly anticipated album coming up, Andrea. It's in the works and it's entitled New Beginnings quite uh, appropriately titled I might add now um, without any major spoilers why don't you give us an idea of what we can expect from this exciting new effort well it's been about 16 years since I've released any of my own original music and you know it, it, it's time it's been a long process we started the album in May of 2019 and of course, you know, had some setbacks. We were due for a release early spring 2020, but as I like to say, it got in quarantine too. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this, it'll take you basically through an entire relationship. It's songs about, you know, new love, uh, getting into it, and then, you know, at the end of something and uh, what happens after the end, a new beginning. So it's all all different stages of a love life. Indeed. All potential stages. Taylor yes. Swift has uh, she's she's done a lot of songs of that nature too. Oh, she definitely has. <laughs> I'm telling you, all of her there for a while. It seems like all of her songs were based on a relationship. And in the case of like Picture to Burn, I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I am glad that I'm not the boyfriend that she was, <laughs> or that I'm glad I'm not the ex-boyfriend that she was singing about. Well, that, and then you think about Miranda Lambert and Carrie Underwood with the angry breakup songs. Oh, yeah. Like in, uh, <laughs> in the case of Miranda, it's uh, Gunpowder and Lead. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> crazy Ex-Girlfriend, that too. <laughs> and then the craziest thing to me is Miranda Lambert also has Tug at Your Heartstring songs like The House That Built Me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> She from one extreme to the next. <laughs> That's like the total 180 there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, um, we'll be watching your uh, your site and social media for updates on the album. Now, in addition to the completion of this new album, what else do you anticipate the future holding for Andrea Guess? Um, the first and foremost is getting the the album out. We've we're launch we've launched a GoFundMe to help finish the project sure. uh, and everything. All the details are on any of the social media. We've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can just go to andreagesmusic.com and it'll get you everywhere you need to go. But uh, just playing, hopefully getting to travel a little when things uh, kind of calm down and right. sharing new music. I've already got some new ideas for the next album but i want to get this one out first so <laughs> meanwhile cricket is sitting there in the background saying well your immediate future is taking me for a walk yes <laughs> or getting her some more food because you know it yeah, that's probably be. why she was barking at us a little bit you know she was <laughs> she was probably hungry yep but, uh, <laughs> so before we uh, part ways here the grand finale you are gonna treat us to one of your songs are you not indeed Awesome. Now, this is one from your New Beginnings album, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you're going to play for us. Uh, this one's called Burnout. It's, um, it's probably my favorite one that I got to record, and the ladies that went into the studio with me, Mandy Shuker, Megan Jane, and Ellen Angelico, they brought what was in my head to life through playing, and in, they're my absolute dream team of musicians, and uh, 
See, that's the beauty of a group session. So that, that'll yeah. bring ideas to life and <laughs> got to help you put them to music, so to speak. Oh yeah. Like I, you know, I'd written the song and I had this certain sound in my head. I didn't even tell them. And they're like, okay, this needs this here. You know, we need to do this here. And then once we played and recorded it, it was, I, I cried because it made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> now that's, you know, that's, that's saying something when it brings tears of joy. This may not be Broadway, but the stage is all set. So ladies and gentlemen, let's lend our ears to the one and only Miss Andrea Guess. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you're a million miles away right next to me What else happened? Where did I look? Oh, you're just unsure Where did we lose out of ourselves? Where did we lose the love we had? Where did we take the wrong turn? And did it get burned out? Oh I know you say it's some space, oh baby. You keep pushing away. I don't know what to say or what to do now, baby. It's hard to you. I know you say not sure what you want yet. It's a scary thought. No one out in time, I push you everything. You're just unsure. Where did we lose out of ourselves? Where did we lose the love we had? Where did we take the wrong turn and did it get burned out? Oh, where did it burn out? One day you come home and I'll be waiting to play with my heart. Where did we lose sight of ourselves? Where did we lose the love we had? Where did we take the wrong turn? Where did we lose sight of ourselves? Where did we lose the love we had? Where did we take the wrong turn and did it get burned out? Oh, where did it burn out? That is the soon-to-be legendary Andrea Guest. That was <laughs> awesome. And uh, we'll be looking for that on your new album, uh, New Beginnings, which will be out quite soon. And um, we'll have to do an encore next time we have you back on here. I love it. I'm, you know I'm down for any time to hang with you. Assuming, yeah, I was going to say, assuming that I didn't run you off and you're willing to come back and uh, do another Blabbing in the Bluegrass show. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just let me know when. Awesome. Well, you have been a blast, and I have sure enjoyed it. Thanks so much again to Andrea Guest for joining us today, just like old times when um, we were in the Western Student Run Station studio together. Now, uh, you can check her website out. It's andreaguestmusic.com. 
Uh, also, Andrea Guest Music on Facebook. And I love your Twitter handle. It's at the Andrea Guest. And the, the one and only. <laughs> and then your Instagram is at the Andrea Guest Music. Uh, we, well, we just dropped the music uh, just recently so we could uh, make everything a little more fluid. So it's the Andrea Guest now. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's the Andrea Guest on both Twitter and Instagram. Gotcha. Easy enough. Well, we sure appreciate it. You take care and uh, hopefully you'll get back uh, to doing a lot more shows in the near future. And hopefully we can kiss this uh, coronavirus goodbye sooner than I, I hope so. <laughs> but um, best of luck and uh, continue success, Miss Andrea Guest. Thank you so much, Sam. And you can also check her out on YouTube. It's Andrea Guest Music there. And I tell you what, the future's looking bright for her. We certainly appreciate her taking the time to be with us today for our very first Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser feature. We also want to extend our appreciation to Mr. Brett Smitley for coming along for today's State Park Spotlight. It was certainly a pleasure hearing from him. Now, before we put a capper on this thing, I do have the answer of today's Bluegrass Brain Buster from earlier in the show. Of course, the question was, what were Kentucky's original three counties? Now, these were actually established before Kentucky became an official state in 1792, so they were initially part of Virginia. They were all established at the same time, too. What were these original three counties? Drum roll, please. They were Jefferson, Fayette, and Lincoln. All three counties were established on May 1st, 1780, 12 years before the actual state of Kentucky came along. So we had Jefferson, Fayette, and Lincoln County, Virginia for 12 years. Of course, Jefferson's the home of Louisville, Fayette's the home of Lexington, and Lincoln is the home of Stanford, home of the legendary Bluebird Cafe, which I do plan to feature at some point here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as well. So... Come back next week. We'll have another Bluegrass Brain Buster as well as two more fantastic guests. And remember, questions, comments, shoot them my way. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. That's B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. You make the show, gang. Thanks so much for coming along. I'll see you back here next week. And until then, do me a favor. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass There's nothing here to hide Cause we're saying it with pride Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass With knowledge of the state You're sure to appreciate Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass Where musicians furnish talent And great whiskey cools your palate Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass with a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.